Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from James 5, 1 through 20. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to James in your Bible. Come now, you rich people, weep and wail for the miseries that are coming to you. Your riches have rotted, and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be evidence against you, and it will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure for the last days. Listen, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my beloved, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Well, from the very first word of James's letter, he's been concerned with helping us understand what it means to live in a faithful and authentic community, Christian community. Um, A a community that where people love each other, where they care for each other in significant ways, where we are able to speak truth into each other's lives um, so that we might grow in our faithfulness, uh, in our love of God, and a love of our, of our neighbors, those who, uh, who live around us in, in all kinds of different ways. Um, he, he uh, a bunch of different themes that uh, work their way all through James's letter, and sometimes it doesn't seem like they're all connected, but they all really are. And uh, so one of those themes is wisdom, and we said at the very beginning that God wants us to have the wisdom to know where our temptations and trials come from. 
Uh, but also to know, and, and by the way, they come from us. James will say that a couple of times. Uh, but also to know where our help comes from uh, in defeating those temptations and trials. They come from God, the maker, the creator of the universe, and the one who holds it all together and who brings us our salvation. Um, we've, we've gone forward and um, we talked about uh, how our actions, the way we speak and listen and engage with one another, doesn't help us to have a good, good kind of uh, faithful and authentic community. Uh, that we need to be slow, quick to listen, and slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Uh, that the way our conversations happen, especially about things that we don't agree on, uh, that that matters, that shapes us into a people who are either going to have a good conversation where we can understand our differences and move forward, or it's going to be uh, an angst-filled, uh, screaming, yelling match, which is all around us everywhere you look, uh, on the news, uh, social media, and all those places, and politics, everything. Uh, and, James will say, that's not how it should be here. Uh, with the same mouth that you have, that you give praise and glory to God, we end up cursing others. And he says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be so. Uh, so the, the community that we have here as a church is supposed to be different. It's supposed to be one marked by love and forgiveness uh, of care and compassion. Well, chapter 4 ends up being... Um, uh, kind of the pivot point of the, of the letter. And he, James doubles down on this idea that you and I are more often than not the creators of our own trouble. That it, especially within the community, that like if there are uh, discord and trials and things like that, it's because we have given into our own selfish desires and we have let that guide our lives too much. And so it creates conflict uh, with each other. And that obviously doesn't help us to live in any kind of good and right relationship. Uh, we're, we're closing things out, and um, this will be this will be the last sermon from James. We're going to pick up Mark next week, kind of where we left off earlier in the year. Uh, we're not going to talk about uh, the whole chapter because Sam read the, the whole chapter. We're going to kind of pick out a couple of things in the first couple of verses, first six, six verses. James, um, well, he's talking to the, the kind of the wealthy folks in in the congregation that he's writing to. Uh, and it seems like, and now most of the time when biblical writers write to communities like Paul does, uh, they're usually trying to address some kind of you know, bad behavior. And I, I don't think this is any different here. Paul does it, James does it. Uh, the context of James's letter, though, is, is, a, is an environment where, um, where there was persecution. So if you were a Christian, that, that sometimes meant that there was oppression and you might have suffered loss of respect or dignity or property or maybe even uh, injury and death. And, and so there's this, this whole outside world that is working against those who have become followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, within this community, there are some who are, are well off and they are, uh, they are not doing their fair share to help take care of those within their community who have experienced hardship and suffering at the hands of people outside of the church, uh, those who might persecute believers for their belief. And, and James, he's not making an argument against wealth. Like He's saying, hey, look, like you have maybe a responsibility within this community, this Christ-like community, uh, of pictures of which we see in the book of Acts where they share things and have things in common. 
He's saying you're, by doing this, you're kind of oppressing these other people within your, within your fellowship. And he says you shouldn't do that. Uh, he's concerned once more for how it is that we live and act and relate to one another within the Christian community. So, verse 6 ends that way. And we go to verse 7, and um, we'll get here. Verse 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. Farmer waits for the precious crops from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. So within the uh, the middle of this conflict-laden context, where outside is rough because they're being being oppressed by those who who don't like Christians. Uh, It's happened a lot. Uh, And there's conflict within, and and some of them are waiting. They would have thought and understood that Jesus was going to come back soon. That was their hope. And and so in the midst of this conflict and and oppression and persecution, uh, some began to wonder, like, if Jesus was ever going to come back and and set things right. If he was ever going to fix anything, uh, as he promised to do. And so two things would have happened. Two things happened. One, some just kind of lost faith because they didn't see. And so they still belonged to the community, but they just didn't, it didn't affect how they might behave in the world, in, in the context of their community. Uh, and some may have wanted to kind of make a way for themselves. Uh, they pushed and they pressed, and maybe they fought back against those who had been uh, oppressing them or persecuting them. And and not waiting for Jesus to come back and finally set things right. Uh, have, you, have you ever done that? Like, in your impatience about something, uh, you have pressed and pressed and pressed, and the result of that pressing is not that the situation gets resolved well, but that things get uh, more worse. More better? No. Worse. Worse. Just, yeah. I, I find this is, this is a lesson that I have yet to learn in my almost... 40 years. My hair has fallen out, but I'm not yet 40. Okay. Uh, I, I do this when I try to fix things. Um, yesterday, the, well, the, the garage door opener at the house broke, and I, I bought a part to try to fix it, and there were several steps, and I have no idea what to do. I'm not, I'm not what you would call a handyman. Uh, YouTube is how I learn how to do anything related to that. And, and so, like, there were several steps where I just didn't know what I was doing, and so this one part had to go through this other part and it wasn't quite big enough or was, but you had to have the thing like lined up just, just so. I didn't break it anymore. But my, my, uh, my normal default in those situations is to find something to beat it with. You know, like a hammer until it, until it yields to my will and, and works. I didn't do that, Charlie. Okay? Uh, but I wanted to. And, and whenever I do that, it ends up causing more and more work for myself because I've broken the thing even more. I, I don't just do that with fixing things. I think I do this with relationships as well. I, I hate for there to be discord. and, and uh, Well, I, I like people to like me, and I don't like conflict. And, uh, and so when Lori and I get in, into an argument, uh, I'll say something bad. You, you know how it goes. You do something, you disagree, Tell her she's, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> she's not here, so I asked permission to talk about this, so it don't seem like I'm just doing it because she's not here. Uh, but we have very different ways of dealing with conflict. I, I am a verbal processor. 
Like, I need to talk it out. And Lori is very much not a verbal processor. She we, will come to some kind of resolution, and it's done, and she doesn't want to talk it about it anymore. Like, it's just, it's just over. It's over. She's done. Move on, Jason. Move on. But I just, I just want to make sure that we're okay, and so I, I press, and I press, and I press. And, and before I know it, like, ah, I want to hit it with a hammer. Not her. But it just, it just makes, it makes more and more and more conflict. And it just, it doesn't make anything better. I think, I think this is kind of what James is warning us against in, well, in their situation, maybe, I think maybe more in our situation. I think that we, we look out on our world and we see that it is not right. And we can name different things. Uh, we can talk about the moral state of our country and, and all of those kinds of things. And I think that we want so desperately for Christ to be king in everything, that maybe we aren't waiting for, for Christ to come and to do the things that, well, to, to bring about salvation and restoration for everybody. Uh, and instead, we, we decide that we, well, we need to press and press and press. Maybe so we grasp after political power, maybe, or, I don't know, just yell at people and say, you need to believe in Jesus. There's some people who do that, right? Uh, have you ever seen, like, a street preacher? In, in Oklahoma, when I was there for college, there would be guys that stand on the side of the road and they would just yell at the cars as they were going by. And this is in the middle of summer when it's like 100 degrees and nobody has their windows down because of the air conditioner. You know, you, you got to do it. And so nobody is hearing, nobody is hearing these uh, often what look like angry words about repentance and things like that. But I wonder if that's what, part of what James is saying. Like, we need to be patient. We need to be patient not only in our relationships with each other, but like in our relationship to the world around us and, and to allow the love of Christ to be what we carry with us into the world. Uh, that's what's going to change things, loving folks with the love of Christ. Well, um, I think earlier on he says uh, in that whole slow speak, uh, quick to listen part, he says your anger doesn't help. Uh, the kingdom of God advance. It doesn't help your life advance at all. And I think we could apply the same thing here. When, when we get impatient, our impatience doesn't help us be the people that God wants us to be, and it doesn't help us be the people as a church together and in the world that God is calling us to be. So we sing a little song, have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. Anybody sing that song growing up? No? Okay. Sam did. Good. Thank you. Well, and so he's encouraging us to, uh, to be patient. And he goes on, and, and, and like I said, sometimes it doesn't seem like it connects, but it all does, because it's still concerned with us living in, in authentic community. He goes, uh, so the patience, though, having patience though, without a community to support us in, in the context of community, though, I think is, is largely impossible. I think if I were left only to fix things by myself, nothing would ever get fixed. I, I, I am blessed to have smart and handy people who I can call and be like, Levi, how do I fix this? And uh, maybe he knows, maybe he doesn't. But it's in, the, in the midst of community, I can, I can handle the things that don't work better because I am with and suffering with people maybe at the same time. We'll get to that in a little bit more. We'll, we'll draw that out. He goes, uh, we're skipping the 13th, he says, are any among you suffering? 
because of what's happening in the world. He says, they should pray. Are any cheerful, they should sing songs of praise, songs of praise. Are any among you sick, they should call for the elders of the church and to have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will rise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Now I think, I think all of these things are things that James wants us to do kind of by ourselves, right? Like we can celebrate the birth of a new baby and we can do that from a distance. But it's better if we gather together and we, we thank God for the, the, the healthy baby that was born and a pregnancy that didn't go crazy awry, right? Uh, that, that we gather together and we, we thank and praise God for the fact that, uh, that we have jobs or that, that someone recovered from an illness or uh, that whatever, those kinds of things. Like we can do those things separately, but James, I'm, I'm convinced, is saying we do those things together. Uh, it's better anyway. That it's our worship. I think our worship is always, it's always about a response to the good things that God has given to us. But it is also at the same time, like it is a confession of faith that in the midst of the bad things, in the midst of the suffering and the sickness, that, that we worship in the midst of that because we are confessing our faith that God is going to do something about the situation. Period. Like the, even though it doesn't look like it necessarily, maybe, all the time, but that our worship is always, it's both thankfulness for what we have, what God has given to us, and it's thankfulness for the hope that we have that God is ultimately going to come and make all things new and right and good. All right. I, I think James is convinced uh, that we participate as faithful members in a community uh, that we have to do these things together, uh, that we can't do them alone, and, and that you and I are in this because of what God wants to do through us in the world. So the song we sang at the beginning, Build Your Kingdom Here, there's one line about, like, we are the hope of the world, something like that. Uh, that may be a little bit overstatement. The local church is God's hands and feet, his, his ability to work in our world. And James is absolutely convinced that the way we live together will significantly affect whether or not God is going to be able to use us to build his kingdom in this place. I think um, a lot of this, though, we, we talk about how we deal with suffering, and that, that's kind of a, a, a one of the themes that runs through James's letter. And uh, we can't do, we, I don't think we can get through suffering without Without people, I've got a video clip that I think, um, well, I think that it shows what I'm trying to say, maybe better than I can say it. Well, it'll illustrate the point. It's from the final episode of season one of Ted Lasso. Uh, if you've not watched this show, it is the best thing on television if you can get past uh, the language, right? Um, they're British, so who knows? But it, it is, it is the, my opinion, the best. So, um, spoiler alert, this will kind of tell you what happens at the end of season one. Uh, the guy speaking is Ted Lasso, and he's talking to his uh, soccer team that he's coaching in England, his football team, um, that have just lost. So, so look, I... 
Hey, y'all played a heck of a game out there. We may not have won, but y'all definitely succeeded. I mean, you gave the champs 90 minutes of hell. Zero, where you at? That dude had more saves than a Baptist preacher. Give it up for Zero. Yeah. That's right. What about Roy? Roy chased down his grandson. <laughs> Stopped him from getting an easy one. Now look, this is a sad moment right here. For all of us. There ain't nothing I can say standing in front of you right now that can take that away. But please, do me this favor, will you? Lift your heads up and look around this locker room. Yeah. Look at everybody else in here. And I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. Because I promise you, there is something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. Sam, do you remember what animal has the shortest memory? A goldfish. That's right. That's a goldfish. Sam, what do you think we should all do once we get done being sad and or angry about this situation? I think we should all be a goldfish. I agree. Let's be sad now. Let's be sad together. And then we can be a gosh darn goldfish. I, I, I absolutely love that. Like that being sad together is better than being sad alone. I think this is, I think this is what I want to say. I think this is what James is saying. That we can suffer and have bad things happen. And we can make things worse in our impatience. We can, we can do all kinds of things and we can do those things alone. And that would be bad. Or we could do those things together. And it may not make the situation better, right? They still lost the game. Still got relegated to the next league down. That's how that works. It didn't change the situation, but they looked around the room and they saw the folks that were with them, that were sitting beside them, who they had struggled and fought and played with all season long, and they knew that they were in this sadness and suffering together. I think that James is calling us to be sad together. Uh, that in our suffering, we don't do it alone. That in everything that bad has happened, that, that you, we can look around at the people in this room and some of them aren't here and say, I am not alone. I am sad, I am broken, I am not alone. I think, I think that's a huge part of what it means to live in authentic and faithful Christian community. The, uh, the question becomes then, how do we do that? And I think there are a couple of things. I think first, I think it means becoming well acquainted enough to be able to to share our suffering and our sadness and our brokenness with each other. We can't be together unless we're together. 
I, I, I don't know how I don't know how always we do that. I think traditionally this church has had a culture of getting to know each other through through doing events and serving things and things like that. I think the 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 Bible study on in on Sunday morning has become a community where people are getting to know each other better to where they can well not just read the Bible together, but that they can know each other well enough to well to not be alone in their suffering. I think that in the context of relationships with each other, that we must become aware of each other's struggles and triumphs. When there's cause for joy, we celebrate with them. Maybe more than just a Facebook post or a text message. Again, a thousand different situations, a thousand thousand different ways to celebrate with those in our church. I think it, it may be more importantly that when there is suffering, that we suffer alongside of our, of our friends in, in this church, in this community. Uh, I think we can do that. That looks maybe a couple different ways, and I think there are some things that help us to do that, or, or maybe some, some strategies. I don't know. Uh, we can sit with someone in solidarity. We don't necessarily need to offer words of comfort or advice. We just need to sit and empathize and sympathize. I know so often when something goes wrong, it is our first instinct to say something. At least it is for me, and it's my first instinct to try to fix it. And I'm not good at fixing things. I think we just sit and we empathize. Uh, by the way, I think this is a long haul kind of thing. I think it's really, really easy to, to say that we empathize or sit with someone for just a little bit, and, and maybe after that initial crush of whatever it is that happened. Uh, when I was talking about this with, with Lori, um, you know, it, it was great to have people who were with us after her mom died, or had, that, had a stroke and was sick for a while, and then she ended up dying. And, and that was great, but there were times and days and moments after that. And, and I'm sure you understand this. You've, you've all experienced these kinds of things to where the, the sadness and the suffering returned and we needed someone to be with us again. I think when we sit with someone in solidarity, it is a marathon. It isn't a sprint. I think, though, when we do begin to say words, that we have to say them carefully, uh, asking the Spirit's guidance to be able to say the right things. Here's some things not to say. Now, if you've said these things, don't worry about it. Chances are you have. You've heard these things. Maybe you can testify to how unhelpful they were. Do not say. Everything happens for a reason, because it doesn't. God is in control. God is working our world, but he works through people, and the brokenness of our world has pervaded everything. And I cannot believe, I will not believe, that something like cancer is a reason for, that God is a reason for that. I, I will not believe that abuse of all different kinds, that God has a reason for that. I, I, I can't think 
death or mental illness or whatever. God has not caused those things. That has not happened for a reason. It has happened because our world is broken so completely. Do not say everything happens for a reason. Uh, When somebody dies, especially a child, do not say, God has, must have needed another angel in heaven. It's not true. I, that one, I, I have lots and lots of things to say about that, but I think more particularly, uh, how selfish of God, who has no want of anything, to say, I needed this child to be with me more than their parents needed him to be with them, or their husband or their wife or their mother, or their father. Don't say, God doesn't give us anything we can't handle. Because that's not true either. Because God's not giving to us, right? But I think in those moments, in the suffering, in the pain, when it's just absolutely terrible, when you're just bawling your eyes out, I can't handle it. I can't. Like there have been those times that just, just can't go on. And it's in those moments that we are drawn to God to confess, like we sang in that last song, I surrender, I surrender all of this. I can't, I can't do it, I can't handle it. And it's in that moment, too, that we come to our authentic community and we say, I can't handle it. I need your help. I need you to cry with me or whatever. It doesn't happen for a reason. So when we talk in the midst of suffering, do so well. I think there's, there's nothing better than to say to someone, I have no answer for you, but I love you. And I'm here for you. I am with you in the suffering. Uh, One more thing. We can provide material support. Ask ourselves, what does this person or family need? Do they need money to pay medical bills or transportation or food or counseling or any other tangible kind of concrete things? You are God's hands and feet in the world. And you can be the answer to somebody's prayer. That blew my mind the first time I, I thought about prayer that way. That people will gather together and we confess a need. And I'm like, oh, wow. Well, I can do something about that. Like, I can, I can help that situation in a tangible way. So that in our, wow, in our solidarity, in our living together, in community, that we might be an extension of Christ in our world, and we might be an answer to somebody's prayer. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.